Hello, everyone, and welcome to our pastor's podcast, You Asked. We're here today with Pastor Chris, and I'm your host, Pastor Justin. Today, we'll be discussing several questions that came in last Sunday, and we'll just kind of go rapid fire, uh, maybe in a mailbox style episode here. So the first one, um, we're obviously new in the First Corinthians series, um, talking about um, a, a city with a very depraved culture. Um, a lot of bad things going on there, um, but Jesus established and built his church there anyways and, and worked in and through that, um, that dark city. So one of the questions that came in um, was the following. It says, how much of the world's culture should we allow in the church? We obviously need to relate to those we want to reach, but how far is too far? A practical ministry question. How would you answer that, Pastor Chris? Yeah, and I would say, as I think of that one, it's something that Paul will get to. Uh, if you go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, um, he's actually going to address that very thing, where he says to the Jews, I became a Jew, right? To, uh, to those outside the law, I became as one outside the law. To the weak, I became weak. And he goes on to say that I, by all means, might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessing, right? So... So Paul's going to get to that, because obviously that is a question that they would have themselves, um, because obviously a lot of the culture, as we are starting to see and will see in the letter, is seeping into the church. Um, and, you know, they're suing each other, and I mean, it's all kinds of crazy stuff going on in the church. So, um, but Paul's going to address that in chapter 9 to say, like, no, we, we need to go all in. Um, you know, we need to go as far as we can go. I mean, there's lots of things we can say about that. I mean... We, you know, Jesus would put it this way. He would say in John 17, "Be in the world, but not of it." Right. So we got. We're going to reach them. We got to be in it. Um, we got to be around unbelievers. We can't expect to set up a, you know, a building and a sign and say, "Hey, come see us," and we'll tell you all about Jesus. Like we, we've got to infiltrate and jump in and go. Um, but at the same time, we can't be conformed to the world, and we can't get um, tainted by the world, as it were, as it were. So the, so much so that we end up not representing Jesus anymore, and we end up representing the culture more so. So a, a couple of application points on that one, I think. I mean, one is, um, I think of, uh, I can't think of his name, but he was, um, he was with William Carey, and I, and I um, William Carey went to, is it India or China? I get the two mixed up, okay. Anyway, so he, he talked about going in there and having someone, uh, one of the guys who was supporting him, not just financially, but was talk, talking about a rope, and he said, if you go down into the well, um, of India, and I think this is the right missionary, I may be getting it wrong, but you should know this. You've had the kids read all these missionary biographies this summer. The but point will still apply. The point will still apply. <laughs> if you, you can feel free to correct me and email us in. I'm sure I'm probably wrong. But anyway, he talked about going into the well. And you go down into the well of that country, um, I'll tie a rope around your waist, I'll hold the rope for you. Hmm. In a sense of, uh, you're going to go down in, it's dangerous, um, but I'm going to be your support, I'm going to hold the rope, and I'll pull you up if you go too far. And so in some ways, there's a sense of application where we, this is why Jesus says, don't know us by our love for one another. And so we've got to move into the culture in a way that, hey, we're going, but we're also checking each other. And we're going like, hey, that's a little too far. Or, hey, you're not going far enough. And, hey, I've got the rope. Let's pull you up a little bit. Or, hey, you know what? Let's let the rope out a little bit. You need to go deeper. <laughs> so let's let it out. Go down farther into it. Um, there's more people to reach. And so... So I think that mutual kind of body life, accountability, um, being on mission together as a church family is why the church is so important in that, that aspect. So I think that's one application. Um, I think another one is, um, I think Tim Keller has talked about, like ministry is really defined where this balance meets, um, you know, where this intersects, you know, the difference between being in the world but out of it. Um, 
And so that, that's where ministry really is defined. And so we, we're going to constantly be redefining our ministry based on the culture that we're in. Not, not that we're changing the, the core standards or core beliefs, but the way it looks and how far we go and where we go is going to change because the culture is constantly morphing and changing, which is why no individual church can be the, is going to be the same in every given context where it's at, right? It's going to look different. Um, you know, my church I've planned in Hollywood looks drastically different than it does here, um, just because the cultures are drastically different. Um, and so, so yeah, so I mean, I think we, we need to go in um, and we need to hold each other accountable. We need to pray for each other and we need to push each other. And I think, I think in our context, I think the what needs to happen is it needs to be more rope let out, not necessarily rope being pulled in. I don't see too many people that are so so zealous for reaching the loss that they've gone too far. Um, I see more of the, the lack of letting the rope out, right? And so I, I would say on our end, we need to be more careful of, are we being unfaithful to Jesus by not going far enough, as opposed to are we being unfaithful to Jesus by going too far? So, so it, it, a lot of it's a wisdom issue, a lot of it's a, you know, looking at our culture. And another, another example of that, we talked about this when I preached through Titus, and I think it was Titus 3 sermon online you can look at, but we talked about those three R's um, of culture. Uh, there's things that uh, in culture that we are able to just receive, meaning there are things that are in they're in consistency with our love for Jesus and following Jesus, and we can be a part of those elements of culture. We can be a part of these sporting events, or go see this or that, and be a part of these things that are that are consistent with Scripture. On the other side, there are things in the culture that we have to flat out reject. We just we can't we can't go there. Because going there, wherever there is, um, would be inconsistent with our love and following of Jesus. And there's a third R we talked about. There's a redeeming aspect. There are things in culture that we can take and be like, okay, we can we can redeem that. We can we can approach that in a different way. We can reach these people, but maybe go about it in a different way, find other ways to, to get to know them. Because um, maybe we can't go quite there where they're at in their certain situation. So in a, there, there's kind of, I think, matters of conscience. Like, how far is too far? Can I go there? Can this be redeemed? And you spoke to that with going on mission together and help to see, like, is my, is my conscience weak? Is my conscience strong? Is this good? Um, but there's, and that conscious thing, by the way, conscious thing is dressed in 1 Corinthians 8, that whole meat off yes. of the idols thing, which is right before Paul talks about this being into a Jew, a Jew to a Gentile, Gentile. You know, he talked about that of like, hey, it's okay. some people aren't going to be able to eat the meat off of the idols, they're going to be able to go reach those people. Some will. Right. So I think that one of the challenging parts is when, you're, when we're asking what aspects of culture can we redeem or should we attempt to redeem? Um, and I may think that, yeah, this is an area that can be redeemed, but another brother or sister in Christ feels I shouldn't, that it can't be redeemed, that needs to be rejected. And kind of some Christian liberty maybe issues at play sure. there. How do we work through um, those when I feel it may be appropriate to redeem an aspect of culture and somebody that I worship with feels like that's that's out of bounds. That's going too far, and yep. those can be challenging questions. There are two sides to that. And I remember hearing a, it was a, it was man, this is probably fifteen years, twenty years ago, maybe now. Um, there was a pastor at Grace Community Church where I was on staff there for some years out in California. Um, Carrie, I can't think of his last name. He did a at our shepherds conference did a, a sermon on uh, like a seminar at the conference on a breakout session on Romans 14 uh, and the whole idea of the weaker, stronger brother thing. And I'll never forget it because it was really a way that really helped, it, it helped lay it out for me because I was always struggling with like, well, I mean, 
do we not do certain things because someone might in the church be offended by this or doing that? I mean, take like alcohol, for example. It's always a big one. Like, do you never get anywhere near it, close to it, drink it at all because, hey, someone might see you, blah, blah, blah. And he was arguing, he's talking about that. That's not the point of what Paul's talking about. The point is, and just like 1 Corinthians 8 talks about it too, is the issue of, of am I forcing someone to go against their conscience? So it's different between... Um, I am free to then to to go out to reach people, and if people some people feel like that's too far, um, but I'm able to argue that biblically that like I'm not violating scripture in this way because it's obviously going to go back to that, and you maybe you feel uncomfortable going this far, but I'll go this far. That's okay. Um, you may be more comfortable going this far in this area, and I don't, right? So and some of that's based on past, right? Um, some be like I can't go to this spot or this area or this building or this event because I know at this event, you know, this used to happen for me and it's not good for me. I just can't go there. Okay. Someone else can. That's okay. Right? So, so I think on the conscience thing is like, what I'm not doing is what I'm not doing in that situation. Let's say, let's say it's a festival. Let's say it's, let's say it's, um, uh, state fair. I'm just giving an example of state fair. Say it's state fair and somebody is, um, you know, says, look, I, I just can't go to the state fair. Um, I don't even, I haven't been to the state fair, so it's hard. This may be a bad example for me because I may ruin this. But, <laughs> but let's just say, let's just say I'm, I'm, um, I, 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 it's about gluttony. It's about gluttony for a second, okay? So like, you read my mind. I used to go, I used to go to the state fair, man, I would get, I'd eat so much bad stuff, I'd get sick. Like, it just became like a real bad habit for me going there. I couldn't control myself. There's so much food and bad stuff around. And I just, I just can't go there anymore because of just, the, the sin of loving that I got into in that, right? Um, and so, you know, you're you're going, Justin, let's say that, that's me, and let's say you're going, and you're like, hey, I'm going to stay fair, I'm bringing my unsaved friend, and he's going to go with me, like, you want to go, it'd be a great opportunity for us. I'm like, ah, I can't go because of this. And you say, man, look, just get over it. It's not a big deal. Like, it's just food. Come on, just come with me. No, I don't. And so you're pressing now against my conscience, and that's where the weaker, stronger brother thing is. It's like... You're trying to push me to go against my conscience, um, and and that's where the violation of that principle comes in. So so that's kind of a situation like that. Yeah, so let's continue that example for a second. So saying that you feel like you shouldn't go to the state fair, and I'm talking about the, the deep fried candy bars and the elephant ears and the donut burgers and all this stuff I'm looking forward to, mm-hmm. and you know that you can't go, but you feel like I'm sinning not necessarily that I'm present there even, but like, man, Justin, how can you think about going and gluttonizing, if that's a word, <laughs> becoming a glutton? I'm going to with this example, but nonetheless, it works. <laughs> no, it, it does. On the alcohol one, it's, it's similar there sure. too as well. Like, sure, I'm not going to, but I feel like for you to partake is... Right. We'll be a, that's where the application, that's where the rubber yes. really meets the road and it gets tricky there. So yes. how, how do we navigate through that where someone says, I think for you to do this... Again, it always goes back to let's. What is you know? I'll, I'll go back to First Corinthians again. Paul's going to say in chapter four, he's going to tell them this. He says in chapter four, verse six, I applied all these things to myself, and, and Apollos, for your benefit, brothers, that you may learn by us not to go beyond what is written. Right. Mm-hmm. So, it, it, these are all things that Paul addresses, I and mean, that's what I love about First Corinthians. I mean, it's super practical. Yeah. Um, because the culture they were in is very similar to the culture that we live in. Um, the things that our people have been saved out of are things that they've been saved out of, right? And so, um, so we always have to go back to that. And Paul's going to say that, hey, look, we don't, we don't want to go beyond what's written. 
for you to not go there, it violates your conscience, don't go there. That's not a good idea. Don't go get your conscience. That's a Romans 4 violation. You shouldn't do that. It is sin to you. Period. It is. But for someone else to go there and it's not a violation of their conscience and it's not violating Scripture. Again, if they're violating Scripture and they're going like, well, I feel like Jesus wants me to go to the strip club to go reach, you know, the strippers. It's like, hmm, really? I don't know if that's a good idea for you, dude. You know, and the, guy, the single guy's telling us he's going to do that. Like, no, that's not, no. That's not, I can't find any reason at all to think that that would be okay for you to do. Right? So, I mean, there's there's clearly things that kind of line out. Like, okay, there's got to be another way to reach those people. need to be reached. Let's find somebody else maybe could do that. Or another way to do that. Um, so, um, so yeah, so it always goes back to the scriptures, evaluating that based on. Um, but you you got to be careful on both sides that the, the stronger brother is not rubbing it into the weak brother and the weak brother is not judging the strong brother, right? So I mean, it's it's working together on that. If you're in that situation again and you know that I am struggle I struggle with food, you know that I'm, you know, gluttony is a, is a struggle for me, and you come to me and go like, man, those elephant ears were phenomenal, right? Oh, and then I had... But then I had deep fried Twinkie, you know, and it was fantastic. I've never been to the fair, but I know these things exist. See, um, and and you know, and you rub it in like that. Well, you're you're, I would say you are sitting at that point. Like you're rubbed it into a point where you're you're almost, you're tempting me into sin in that way. But for you to just go, is not sin, right? And that's my problem. If I if I'm judging you based on that, then that's a problem I need to take up with the Lord because it's not sin for you to go. Um, so anyway. Yeah, no, that's helpful. I look forward to hearing the rest of the, the series yeah. there. He talks about it. He'll do with that. Uh, yeah, and there are some uh, some other practical questions that we'll uh, continue to move into here. Um, one of the things you mentioned last week uh, was 1 Corinthians 1. Paul talks about expressing gratitude for the church at Corinth, even despite their failures, their flaws. Um, and so they got a lot of people thinking, but several questions come in here. One of them was a little bit different angle on that. Somebody asked, how do we have gratitude towards ourselves and even forgive ourselves? Can we do this on our own? Well, I'll say a few things about that because I'm trying to read into the question there. First of all, let's say the language is incorrect. I mean, there's nothing, we can't find anything in scripture that talks about how we need to forgive ourselves. Um, but going into that, I think what they're trying to get over, is it, what they're trying to convey, I think, in that language is how do I how do I get over a guilty conscience or how do I get past this? I just can't seem to get past this. I'm stuck in it. I can't stop thinking about it. I've been a failure. I've sinned over and over again. Right? So let's take that point of view. Uh, I don't think the correct language is I need to forgive myself. It just, but how do I get over that guilt? Um, and so, um, so part of that is, um, part of that is simply giving, obviously giving it over. Jesus said, and um, well, Peter said of Jesus in 1 Peter 5, the cast all my cares upon you because I upon me because I care for you. So there's a sense of laying that down at Jesus' feet, uh, whatever that is. It's pressing into the gospel story that we talked about on Sunday, that the only way we're ever going to get past um, our failure, if we're going to get past the shame, past the guilt, past the fear, past all those things, is we've got to press into the gospel and realize our our position, as we talked about this Sunday, was you know, our position in Christ. And what our identity is in Christ, that whole in Christ phrase, and why that's so very important for us um, to push into, because that's that's the foundation of which allows me to move forward, right? That's that's the Romans eight one where Paul says there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ. Like I've I've got to grasp that and know that, like we talked about on Sunday with like uh, Bunyan's testimony, like it was not my 
you know, my, my well-to-do state or my, the things I did well that changed my status before God. And it wasn't the things that I did really bad that changed my status before God because my righteousness, as Paul says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 30 here, is Christ, who's at the right hand of the Father, who never changes, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Um, so my righteousness never changes. My status, my relationship, uh, God's view of me in Christ never changes despite good or bad that I do. That helps me get off the floor, right? That helps me go, okay, I could take, I could put one foot in front of the other. I can walk, I can follow Jesus a little bit closer. And it just takes some time, but it can keep practicing that, going back to the gospel over and over will allow me to get out of that. So, so I recognize that, I believe that, I understand that, I still really struggle with just this, this guilt and this shame. What are some practical ways I can kind of beat this truth into my head that it's Christ's righteousness, not my performance, mm-hmm. and, and find freedom in that I think I think one of those is we talked about Sunday was recognizing the evidences of grace in people's life I think it also is appropriate to recognize evidences of grace in your own life where I can step back for a minute and this may be good to ask someone close to you and say hey can you and it's not like you're like you know fishing for compliments here but there's a sense of hey can, can you just I'm just really struggling can you tell me how you've seen God at work in my life and sometimes you just need to hear that. Like, oh yeah, I can, I've seen this, I've seen this, because we don't see it. We're like little kids, you know, you've got little ones, you know, the, you know they, they look at you and they're like, I'm not growing. I'm not getting taller, you know, because they looked yesterday and today at the mark on the wall. You know, as opposed to like, you know, last year you were like up to that shorter height of you now. Like you've grown at least, a, you know, another four or five inches. And so we just don't see it. And so we need the encouragement of others to come alongside of us and say, yeah, here, let me, let me recognize these evidences of grace in your life. Um, I think that's a, that's a practical way. If you have yep. a spouse that loves Jesus, if you have, you know, you plug into the church, you've got a Sunday school class, or you've got, um, you know, people you serve with, maybe you maybe come, come to be out on Sunday night, or you're working in the vine on Sunday night. Like, that's why, that's why you have the church. We need the we need the encouragement. We need to hear that from others who see the work of God in our life that we just don't quite see, and that kind of helps you get over the hump a little bit of kind of the guilt and shame of that. Other parts of that is just you need to sit down with somebody, maybe it's a pastor, you know, at the church here, or sit down with somebody that you respect that, that knows God's word and just allow you to kind of talk it through because you just kind of need to talk that through. Like, what? Why are you stuck? What is it that you can't get over? What is going on? Um, there may be lots of other things, you know, sometimes we only see the, you know, the sin that's right in front of our face, but there's lots of other, quote, sins underneath the sin, or, um, you know, even wounds, things that have happened to us that kind of cause some of this unable to be moved, I can't get out of this hole I'm stuck in. So we need to kind of have someone sit down and just let us talk it through and work it through with Scripture. And I would really affirm that point there. I know for me that's been been huge. It, my, my mind can go places and start to run. And when I have to sit down across the table from somebody and say out loud what's going on, mm-hmm. that is a massive way of helping me to see the blind spots in my thinking. Like, how in the world did I think that was okay? How did I not see the hole in my thinking there? But I didn't. I legitimately didn't. And I said it out loud to somebody and said, can I just say back to you what you just said to me? Yeah. And... To have that community to do that with is um, is clutch and counseling or whatever can get kind of a a bad rap. You know, oh, you need counseling? No, we all need counseling. Like I, we all need people to help us uh, get the gospel pounded into our head. And um, formally or informally, um, that's a need of the human soul. 
yeah, we just need somebody that's patient enough and will listen. And, you know, it doesn't need to be a professional necessarily, just someone who, who can be patient and listen. Like I said, we call it, you know, we counsel call it talk therapy, but I mean, it's, it's still, it's, it's allowing a person to kind of just articulate what they're, what they're going through and articulate it, get it out there and allow somebody to hear it gather it all together and be like, let me repackage this. Now, here's what you're saying. Here's what I'm hearing. Is this what you're saying? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Okay, now, now we can go somewhere with it. Now we can kind of, now we've identified some of the issues. Let's look and see how Scripture addresses those. Yeah, that's good. All right, last question from our mailbox today um, relates to a practical application point you had. You, you asked people to think of a boss or a spouse that was difficult to be around, and as a first step towards healing, just to write down 20 things that you were thankful for from that person. And someone texted in response to that. They said, seriously though, what if I can't find 20 things about my spouse or my boss to be thankful for? <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's funny, but it's not funny, uh, especially if it's a spouse. <laughs> um, hopefully you didn't, you, uh, your spouse doesn't know that you would sent that in. Um, <laughs> uh, I would say that you just haven't taken enough time to sit down and think through it. You honestly need to sit down, ask the Holy Spirit, God, God guide me, and open my eyes to see what I can be grateful for, right? And I, and I think if you really sit there, and if you, it's going to take some time, you know, but sit there and think through it. I think you can come up with twenty things, honestly, even for the unbelieving coworker or the unbelieving boss or the unbelieving spouse. You know, that you're, you know, you're talking about the believing side of things, which may be a little bit easier to list. Um, but even unbelieving side, they're still made in God's image. There is still the identity of God as creator still stamped on them, that they still bear some of God's image that you can see. And so I think there's um, plenty there to look at. I think that's why I said that, is to like, that's why you need to sit down and think through 20 things, because... Until you're able to do that, you're going to, you know, we talk about Sunday night with the men, like you're going to continue to hold grudges, you're going to get angry, um, you know, you're going to get bitter, and all of that's going to lead um, to obviously a bad testimony, but also to um, your own kind of downward spiraling as well. Yeah, I know in my life, when, when I'm at that place where I feel like I can't see those things, the good in others, and be grateful and thankful for those uh, Oftentimes, it's been a, a, a way that God shows me, like, look, Justin, if you can't see the good in others, that's showing you how narcissistic, how selfish the lens is that you're looking at the world through. I'm just, I'm just seeing how it impacts me, and I'm not. Um, so, so maybe I said we can just pray and ask God to help you to see beyond yourself and see that there are good things happening. There are things to be thankful and grateful for. Yeah, I think we've, I think we may have talked about this before in our podcast, but but the whole dual identity of every human being, um, you know, we're all made in the image of God, and we're all sinners. That's just chapter two, just chapter three. I think it's important that the order in which they came in, just chapter two, made in the image of God, just chapter three, sinner. We tend to see chapter three before we ever see chapter two in someone's life, and I think we need to see chapter two first, and especially in this kind of scenario. And so the first thing to be said about someone is not their monstrous distortion of self, you know, of, of God's image, um, but their reflection of it. It should be the first thing that we see. And uh, we're just very critical people, and, and that we're never going to overcome, especially in the local church, we're not going to overcome disunity, as we'll talk about this Sunday, um, until we're able to see the reflection 
of God's image in people, especially for Christians, the evidence of grace of the Holy Spirit at work in their life. Uh, but if all we see is just a monstrous distortion of God's image, yeah, it's, it's bad news. Yeah, that's good stuff. We do hope this conversation has been helpful for you. You can always reach out to one of the pastors if you have further questions. You have been listening to You Asked.